0: The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with John Thomas Flynn, who is entirely responsible
1: for its content. Welcome to Ask the CIO, SLED Edition on Federal News Network. Now your host, John Thomas Flynn. Welcome, everyone. Our guest today is Tim Plottenfield, Chief Information Officer from the state of Montana. Welcome to Ask the CIO, SLED Edition, our state and local show, Tim. It's nice to have you on the air.
0: It's great to be here, John. Thank you so much for the invitation and the chance to chat with you today.
1: Well, I appreciate it as well. Uh, before we get started on your IT issues and plans and, of course, the coronavirus issues, there's something I'd like you to tell us about, and that's the, uh, the ability to build relationships. And uh, uh, that has a lot to do with the organizational culture and change management issues, that kind of thing you had a half a dozen years, a little bit more to refine your approach as CIO while you were working at the Department of Revenue. How did that experience inform your management style in becoming a CIO? Yeah, well, uh, the seven years at DOR certainly
0: enabled me to kind of hone those skills on uh, a smaller scale within a department, but I was also pretty keen to observe the landscape within state government here in Montana. And so I think it really prepared me very, very well to come in and I will tell you, I had a plan from day one to really engage the agencies. I wore out uh, probably several pairs of shoes the first year (laughs) because I committed myself to going to each agency once a month and having uh, a meeting with them. And I think after it was all said and done, I had 30 plus meetings a month to where I was going to the agency's turf And we were talking IT and business initiatives. Now, for that first year, uh, it was primarily with the IT staff. So it would be with a CIO or director of IT operations in an agency or uh, organization. And it was great. I mean, I, I think it was probably way more beneficial for me. I got so much out of it. And I told people, I said, you know, going through this process of visiting all these agencies once a month and talking about their initiatives, how they're doing their business, I'm going to step out of this job someday and I'm going to know as much or more about state government and what goes on than anybody. Cause I've been able to get so exposed to it. So it's super beneficial. Uh, but it really helped me gather that information and get it to my folks and share those ideas with them within my own organization and kind of get them on board and have them understand what's going on from the, agency's perspective. So that first year, I did that. Second year, I changed up. I I couldn't afford buying shoes anymore, so I changed it up a little bit, and I actually invited the agencies to come over to my turf, and we did it on a quarterly basis, but this time I invited not only the IT staff, but I also invited director, deputy directors. I wanted the business folks to be there, or at least get the flavor for a business perspective, Um, not just from the IT perspective. And that, I think, was a next level of engagement that has really been beneficial. And it wasn't just me meeting with them. I have my executive staff there as well. So I have a a CFO, Chief Financial Officer, a Chief Information Security Officer, I have a Chief Technology Officer, and then we also have a communications and executive uh, support person that participates. And that's enabled us to really get that sense of what's going on in the agencies, and how can we help them best.
1: Well, obviously, that's a very critical responsibility of a CIO. And I think you mentioned earlier that you had a board and a management council. Is that a part of that whole collaboration strategy? Well, the Information Technology Board
0: was created by the governor years ago, and that is made up of agency directors primarily and there's a couple legislators that participate on that, and we have local government. All things related to IT kind of get presented to that board on a quarterly basis. Um, the Information Technology Managers Council is a monthly meeting. That is also was created by the governor's office, and that is more agency CIOs, agency IT managers that participate on that uh, maybe more of a working council to where we'll spin up work groups in certain areas, um, whether we're talking about a certain technology that we have new to the state where we feel like we might need a work group to kind of tackle some issues or things of that nature. And then there's just some standard reporting that comes from central IT, which was under my jurisdiction, out to the rest of the agencies through that um, body.
1: You know, going back to the pandemic for a second, I'd appreciate your thoughts on this. Uh, I probably have interviewed, you know, I have a regular weekly show, so i probably interviewed a dozen uh, state and local CIOs over the last three months of the pandemic and written us some stories also. Talked to Doug Robinson at NASIO. And I think that this has been a real exercise in uh, evident responsibility and credibility for CIOs across the country because it seems to me for the first time CIO is really has a seat at the table and that the governor and the cabinet secretaries the agency bosses and all that are really seeing the value of a chief information officer and the chief information officer being able to bring the tools and the uh, uh, the devices and all the other associated uh, solutions to remote work and other issues that have affected folks during the crisis and I actually I told Doug that I thought this was their finest hour. What do you think?
0: Well, John, I I would agree with you. I think it definitely has had the spotlight shining on us. And I think for the most part, that's all been good. Um, I kind of deflected a little bit, though, because I think what's happened, and actually one of my fellow CIOs at the national level, I think, coined this in saying that really when it comes to the remote work part for government the cat's out of the bag now look we've we've had the ability to do it we didn't really test it so to speak but uh all the tools were sitting there we implemented them and for the most part it's worked swimmingly and now it, it the discussion isn't really going to be about the technology the discussion is going to be more about culturally you know how how does this work now in state government? I mean, are we going to get the acceptance from legislators? Are you know how how's that all going to play out? How do we manage people this way? So the technology to me has now become secondary. You know, five years ago that wouldn't probably have been the case. Ten years ago, definitely not. Um, but we're we've done now what um, the corporate world has been doing for a decade or or more in some cases. To where, you know, most of the people that I deal with on the vendor side, they don't have a home office. They're working out of their home, an airport, and a hotel. Yeah. And uh, so I think we've just kind of figured it out that it it definitely works in state government. Technology's there. We don't have to worry about that so much anymore. It's just how are we going to manage people and how are we going to accept it in various uh, ways? We have, I'd say in Montana, you know, we have kind of a, Uh, how should I say this more conservative view I don't even know if that's the right word but a view of maybe you you need to be kind of sitting at your desk to be able to get work done right Mm -hmm. Um, and I think a lot of us now know that that's not what productivity is all about it's not how many hours you're chained to a desk or to a computer it's you've got a certain amount of work to do uh, it really doesn't matter um, during the course of the day how you get it done or where you get it done as long as you're getting the work done.
1: Well, like you said, the cat's out of the bag. I think I'm going to steal that from you. It does make uh, well, sense. Again, <laughs> one one of
0: my compatriots coined that, so you're, I stole it from
1: somebody else. All right. Well, will, what's the word? Abrogate it. We'll, t- we'll take it for our, to ourselves. Uh, okay. With that, I'm going to have to take a break. Our guest today is Tim Bottenfield, CIO for the state of Montana. You're listening to Ask the CIO Sled Edition on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm John Thomas Flynn. Welcome back to Ask the CIO Sled Edition on Federal News Network. I'm John Thomas Flynn. My guest today is Tim Bottenfield, CIO for the state of Montana, reporting to us today from his cabin on the outskirts of Glacier National Park. Um, let's talk a little bit about another subject. So we've, we've kind of gone through the fact and patted ourselves on the back and how uh, CIOs have, uh, have risen to the occasion as it were. Uh, I say that because I was a CIO in California during the Y2K uh, drill. We went through all that work with the uh, Y2K and of course the you know, January 1st of 2000, everybody looked around and said, hey, nothing happened. So you guys didn't, you you, you were crying wolf. So <laughs> we didn't get much credit for all the remediation work that went on. But certainly uh, I think it's anybody uh, that's honest would say, that the role that the CIOs played in state and local government and federal government, for that matter, uh, has been uh, exemplary. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about the cloud. Everybody's doing the cloud, and I know that kind of leans into what you were talking about earlier with your mainframe. And uh, you mentioned earlier you have a private cloud. Tell us about that.
0: Yeah, well, you know, I I mentioned that uh, there was some foresightful thinking, I think, uh, probably going back maybe 15 years ago when the legislature appropriated funds to build two data centers in the state of Montana. We have one in Helena, and we have one, oh, I don't know, 300 miles east of Helena somewhere, uh, out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, That's more of the one that's used for uh, DR and um, backup. But uh, anyway, so Right about the time that I came into state government is when those data centers were getting spun up. And um, like I said, over the course of this past decade now, those being in place, the thing that we didn't do is rest on our laurels and just sit back and not continue to upgrade the infrastructure. Um, We've done a very, very good job. Uh, and the people that have been involved in maintaining those data centers has done an excellent job of keeping them uh, really state-of-the-art. I mean, the state of Montana, I will tell you, we are like 99% virtualized. We have very few physical servers anymore. Um, We Mm -hmm. can probably count them uh, on a couple hands across the state in terms of the state government. So having said that, you know we're very poised to be able to support a multitude of different uh, applications and services and support out of that um, out of those data centers. So I think first and foremost we're not against going out and using uh, vendor cloud services. Um, in fact, we've done that on several occasions. Um, but we're going to first look to what we can accommodate. If we can't accommodate it. Then we're going to really vet whatever the request is, if that's an agency that wants to go to a cloud service or internally within my uh, central services group. We're going to take a look at it from a technological standpoint. We'll look at the financial aspects of it. Um, security, of course, is uh, of the utmost importance. And, you know, once we take a look at all those things, if it makes sense to go out to a cloud vendor for services, then, you know, by golly, that's what we're going to do. And we have. so. You know, I think probably going back maybe five years ago, there was a little bit more of an anti-cloud stance in the state in terms of going out to a third party, but that's not the case anymore. We want to be flexible, and the bottom line is we just want to make sure that we're spending the citizens' money in an appropriate way, and the services, uh, you know, that we get need to just be uh, very stellar and exemplary, Mm -hmm. so that's, Mm -hmm. that's how we bet it now.
1: Mm-hmm. One of the uh, points you made about security is being so critical. And obviously, it's been on the top 10 list of uh, the CIO survey from NASIO for for years now. But uh, I also want to talk about workforce recruitment and training. I interviewed your uh, your neighbor, Sean Riley, there in uh, North Dakota uh, a couple of months ago, actually before all this, uh, before, this is probably at the very beginning of the year. And he told me that with uh, North Dakota, I think the unemployment rate was like 1.9%. I mean, it was beyond full employment. In fact, they were so worried about uh, hiring people that they thought they were going to have to really jump into AI and data analytics and, you know, other uh, robotics because they didn't think they could handle it and hire the people they needed. What's your strategy for workforce recruiting, particularly in some of those hard to hire areas like uh, security, et cetera?
0: Yeah, I mean, we we struggle as well. I would say that there's a lot of similarities between North Dakota and Montana. And uh, by the way, Sean is fantastic. And I will tell you that we we look to North Dakota uh, a lot to see what they're doing in the security world. I would say they're one of the states that are kind of leading the way um, with cybersecurity. They've done a great job educationally. and. And across the state and they have a little bit more control uh, in state government than we have over here in uh, Montana and what I mean by that is they have much more influence on I think K through 12 and also local government hmm that's one those are areas here in the state of Montana that we kind of have on our radar to be able to shore up those uh, alliances between Uh, education and local governments along with the state kind of being the the mothership so to speak but um, workforce wise it's tough I mean we we know we uh, we lose a lot of young people that come out of our universities and they you know they go on to bigger and better things in big cities Uh, ultimately what happens we find is that once they start getting of age where they start having families they they want to come back to Montana Mm -hmm. and you know, we reap the benefit of that, but that isn't any way to um, build or bank on a uh, workforce strategy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, right. it happens uh, kind of mm-hmm. organically, but uh, we can't do it that way uh, in terms of planning. So we struggle with that. And I think it's something that we're working on. The legislature, last uh, legislative session, ours is every two years, in 2019, really was focused on shoring up our cybersecurity. Uh, posture in the state of Montana. And as part of that, they actually passed um, some legislation for us to be able to hire some additional people and also to uh, bolster salaries in the cybersecurity world. So there is a recognition within the state that we need some help in that particular area for sure. But across the board, it is tough to recruit. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a great place to be. And I think one of the other silver linings of this whole pandemic is that we're going to be able to probably offer uh, folks the benefit of working remotely for the state of Montana. And uh, I think that will be a, a benefit and a and a perk that we can offer that we haven't had in the past.
1: Sure. Um, you know, besides security-related issues, data breaches, outages, and ransomware now, uh, perhaps the other major CIO keep you out at keep you up at night issues involve large complex IT projects which state CIOs oversee. What's your methodology for assessing project status and avoiding uh, IT project failure? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, That whole situation
0: and environment has kind of morphed uh, just really in the short time that I've been in the state. Uh, We used to have a central project management office that served all the agencies. And that was disbanded uh, several years ago. So we do not have that in place, and we don't really have any central office, so to speak, go to. Within my organization, I have two project managers that focus on internal projects, and um, from time to time, enterprise projects that would involve all the agencies. But all of the agencies being distributed with personnel have their own uh, PMs. But where I come in and my oversight as the state CIO is through the LSC, which is the uh, Legislative Fiscal Committee. Uh, they meet quarterly on an interim basis between legislative sessions. And I have a responsibility to report all significant projects to them. We have some criteria that set in terms of what makes it significant, m- mostly a dollar figure. Mm -hmm. Um, But all of the agencies are required to report those projects to me. I have the responsibility to take those in front of the LFC on a quarterly basis. We're particularly interested in those that um, kind of uh, spec out to be in the yellow or red status.
1: Sure. You know, I I read uh, in your strategic plan about that you had created the system for uh, there, the agency's ability to report project and financial data to the Legislative Finance Committee. Did you use a, you know, a new ERP system, or what's the technology tool for this reporting system? No,
0: that's, uh, that's. I'm glad you asked that because that's one of our accomplishments that I think I'm really proud of. When I showed up, our reporting to LFC was on um, printed eight and a half by fourteen-inch paper, or maybe it was bigger than that. And they were spreadsheets that were printed out. It was a stack of about four or five inches thick. And uh, that's how you had to go through and and read about all these projects. Mm -hmm. So I got my internal staff, my Application Technology Services Bureau involved. And they uh, configured or developed an entire online reporting system just for those projects for all the agencies to be able to put that information that they had on spreadsheets, put it all in there. It took us about two years to really kind of get it to where the Legislative Finance Committee was really comfortable with it. And uh, I'm really happy to say that the last meeting that we had with them, they were really pleased. You know, in the two years that we took to do that, uh, it's just night and day difference to where they've Mm -hmm. got basically a dashboard in front of them instead of uh, stacks of paper.
1: There's again another, another gold star for you, Tim you as you mentioned uh, earlier with an election coming up and your governor term limited uh you've got a new one coming in. What are your plans
0: well, you know i'm uh you know the nature of this position it it's a wait and see <laughs> see what yeah. happens mm-hmm. um so i you know I'm just really happy to say that I made it past nacio's twenty two month average for state c i o s since since today i finally i will have completed twenty four months so <laughs> I've beaten the averages, so that's great okay. but uh, you know i am flexible i mean we'll we'll just see what happens i don't mm-hmm. I don't really want to make any decisions today we'll I want to be flexible and help out if there's a need to keep me around for a little while i I might sure. consider that um but we certainly know in this in this game we play in the state c i o world that uh the elections uh really kind of dictate what what happens to us uh, a yeah. lot of times. Yeah, particularly. I'm just going to wait and see what happens in November and take it from there. But I will, I think you've probably picked up on the fact that I've been around long enough that I probably could ride off into the sunset and just be very <laughs> happy with, with everything that's happened.
1: <laughs> well, listen, with that, we're going to have to conclude our program today. I want to thank our guest, Tim Bottenfield, chief information officer for the state of Montana. Tim, thanks for taking the time to be with us. it was very enjoyable and very interesting. Well, John,
0: I I thank you very much. It was a real um, honor to be asked to participate on your show today and I've enjoyed it immensely. Thank you.
1: And hopefully we can see you in the fall NASIO conference, but I just noticed today uh, that they're uh, studying whether or not we're gonna have the the fall uh, annual conference because of the pandemic. So keep our fingers crossed. I wanna thank all of you for listening. Content from the state and local program, which also includes curated news and original articles by yours truly and other more esteemed authors as part of the recently expanded AskTheCIO.com. Hope you can join us again each Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time or listen to do a podcast afterwards. Until then, bye for now. I'm John Thomas Flynn. You've been listening to Ask the CIO, SLED Edition with John Thomas Flynn on Federal News Network. Tune in Thursday mornings at 11 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.